Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Everybody on the globe needs the message of hope, and that is what this show, Never Ever Give Up Hope, does. It gives the message that no matter where we are, who we are, we need to hear other people with the same kind of experiences and circumstances that we may have had, because that's where we gain encouragement, strength, and hope, is hearing other people's stories. And so that's what this show is about. And everybody has a different story, and everybody has a story. And I encourage you as a listener as well, if you have a story and you want to be on the show, give me a call. And it'd be great. I'd love to hear from you and make that connection. Thank you so much. Today with us, we have Monica Parrott. Monica lives in Australia, and she is the mother of six children. She is currently writing a book on changing the law, giving more rights for parents of teenage runaways, and it will be available soon. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Monica also won, you ready for this? Mother of the Year Award in southern Australia in the year 2014. So that tells me, and you of course, that she has a mother's heart and cares about causes for children. Monica is here today to share a very sad story about her foster son, Finn. Interesting, I'm looking forward to that. So thank you, Monica, for joining us and how are you today? Thank you. I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Let's start with your desire to be a mom and how that was fulfilled, and then we'll we'll take it from there. Well, I knew from an early age when I was 13 that I wanted to be a mom. I don't know what it was, but I just absolutely adored children. I went to a girls' school in Sydney, New South Wales, And I guess because I did a lot of babysitting, that that's what made me love children. And I remember telling my parents when I was 13 that when I get married, I'm going to have six children. (laughs) And my mother looked at me and like, 
um, okay, yes, all right, because that's the normal thing to do. <laughs> and so I just went through my schooling and did what I normally did and I got married and I had six children. And I told my mum I was going to have six children and I had six children. <laughs> I had two girls and I had four boys. And what about seven children? Yes, and then I um, went on to foster my foster son, Finn. Um, after we had my youngest two, which were twin boys, my husband said there is no way we're having any more children biologically. <laughs> so he went and had a vasectomy. I think my twin boys were about three weeks old, and he said, that's it. We're not having any more. And he said, if you want any more, you need to foster or adopt. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but I love kids. He said, so do I, but that's it. I draw the line. And so um, we ended up fostering my nephew. Isn't that amazing? Yes. And you also have another child in your house now, correct? I do. I am looking after my two-year-old granddaughter, Hannah Louise. I've been looking after her since the day she was born. And although she brings extreme joy and happiness to the family going from raising six children of your own and our youngest being almost 17 to having a two-year-old and the temper tantrums and the toilet training is just it's a real eye-opener i tell you because you actually do forget (laughs) oh of course and you're being stretched aren't you yes definitely so they say that when you're older and have children you have more patience do you find that to be true in some aspects, yes, but in some things, no. No, I've, I've found that because with my own children, you know, because I was quite young, um, but with Hannah Louise, um, like I'll read stories to her and listen to her and love being around her, but there are just sometimes like when she throws the temper tantrum, she's just like, oh, for goodness sake, would you get yourself off the floor? <laughs> Before <laughs> you throw a temper tantrum, right? <laughs> Absolutely, and there's been many of those. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, that definitely, as I mentioned in the bio, that you have a mother's heart. Let's now go to what happened with your foster child, Finn. My brother and his partner, unfortunately, couldn't look after their their child, Finn. Um, And so because I have six children and my brother knows I love children, he asked my husband and I if we would take on Finn. And naturally, instead of asking my husband, Nathan, I said, of course, I love kids. (laughs) And uh, I think Nathan accumulated a few more grey hairs right there and then. We didn't look back. We, We took on Finn from the day he was born. Unfortunately, Finn was born with multiple disabilities. Um, He was born with a hole in the heart, born with bleeding on the brain. He needed... um, a shunt put in his head and he was born with spina bifida. So from day one, he was rushed off to have surgery and he was in intensive care. And I can tell you, you really know how lucky you are when you've actually had six children that have needed absolutely nothing Mm -hmm. and this beautiful little nephew in front of you and everything that could go wrong went wrong and having surgery, three surgeries in the first 24 hours, oh, I don't think I've cried so much in in my entire life. And I just prayed and prayed and prayed. And I think being being a Christian woman and and having so much faith in God, that is what actually got us through. And Finn was in 
hospital for five weeks and in that five weeks I just went up there every day and bonded with him and, and it, was, it was really good. But he was your child. He was, he was, but it was also heartbreaking because he had tubes coming out of every orifice in his body. It was heart-wrenching. When he was five weeks of age, we were able to bring him home, which it was just like bringing home a brand-new baby. I was so excited. I wanted to show him off to everyone, and, and it was great. But little did we know that with all the crying and the screaming that he did on a daily basis, he was actually in considerable amount of pain, and it oh doesn't matter what the doctors did it wouldn't stop and the only thing that settled him was me cradling him and there were days where I would just sit there and cradle him 24 7 because if I put him down he'd scream his head off and I was absolutely exhausted Nathan was exhausted and I'd just sit there and I'd just cry because I didn't know what to do I thought I was doing something wrong because he just wouldn't stop crying and then, um, unfortunately, at the age of three months of age, he succumbed to his illness and he passed away. At three months old. At three months old. And the last time I saw Finn alive was the day I was flying from Adelaide to Sydney. And I, my, my mother and, and my husband were obviously at home with my children. My mum came over to help Nathan with the children and I looked at Finn and I said, I love you, Finn. I'll see you when I get home. And he looked up at me and smiled, and that was the last time I saw him alive. How did you handle it emotionally? Did you go through any guilt possibly that you were not there? Or how did you cope with that? It was it was very, very heart-wrenching. And when I was – because I received a phone call from one of my twin boys, and he actually said to me, Mum, something's happened to Finn. Uh-huh. So – I rang home to find out and all I got was these ambulances everywhere and that Finn's not breathing. Well, being in a different state, I was literally just panicking because being a mother, you just want to get home to your children. You need to be there with your children. And I couldn't get home. And I just, I kept on the phone and kept on the phone and there was no answer. And I just kept praying and I was around people that, that were helping me and, then I received a devastating phone call from the doctor saying that I'm really sorry but we worked on Finn for 45 minutes and there was nothing we could do and everything in my life just went blank. It, it, it was like it was like um, everything was black. I just, I, I couldn't, I went numb. I went completely numb and, my, and it was like my heart had just, had just didn't want to pump anymore. It was really, really bad and then I went, then I was numb for the for the last for the f- next two days after that. I just I couldn't speak. I couldn't eat. I couldn't breathe. My head was pounding from just constant crying. And then when I did get home, um, as soon as Nathan picked me up from the airport, that was it. We just fell into each other's arms, which again that was heart wrenching. And then um, I just said to my mother, I shouldn't have walked out that front door. If I hadn't walked out that front door to go to Sydney maybe he would be alive and the doctor said there is nothing you could have done he said you could have been a medical doctor and you could have worked on him there is nothing that could have been done because it was his time to go and he was he was too sick and even today I still even today as as humbled as I am to win that award because I love my kids more than anything in the world <laughs> I love all children 
I wish I had never, ever walked out that front door and I will never, ever forgive myself for walking out that front door and there's nothing I can do to take that back. Nothing. There is nothing I can do. The only comfort that I have from losing Finn is knowing that he's in God's arms. That's it. That's the only comfort that I have at this present time. And that's what you have to hold on to. Absolutely, because I've got nothing else. And I I hope that you are getting some help in dealing with the guilt aspect, because just as the doctor said, I mean, there is nothing you could have done. I think where that's probably coming from is you just wish you had been there with him. Yes, I do. I I wish I had have been there with him. And, you know, that's a message to a lot of mums out there who have gone through uh, what you have gone through. And there are many mums who have lost children, you know, whether at birth or shortly after or whatever. And I hope that you have been able to be a help to some of these mums. Is there, have you a, a blog or a, some a website or something where you have been able to to be a support for those mums? I have. um, Straight after Finn had passed away, my husband and I, as you do as parents, we went to go and organise Finn's funeral. Um, But we were told by the foster system here in Adelaide that when Finn passed away, our rights that we had over Finn, even though we had Finn right up until he was an adult, our, our rights with him passed away with him. They died. We had no more rights over Finn. We couldn't say goodbye to him. We couldn't plan his funeral. We couldn't go to his funeral. We couldn't be acknowledged on his death certificate as his parents, even though I was his auntie, his blood auntie. We had nothing. Everything we brought him that the police had to take for investigation, we, were ne- we weren't allowed to have back. We were stripped of absolutely everything. That's what the law was. As heart-wrenching as that was, which it shouldn't have been a law in the first place, instead of me grieving and breaking down and I just went into fight mode. I was, my, I took my anger, I took my grief and I just went into complete utter fight mode for all foster parents around Australia. Now let's back up a minute because there's something here that I don't understand and I don't know if it's, if it's the laws in Australia or if this is, uh, you know, the general rule, but why were the police even involved if the child just died of, you know, natural causes? Because he passed away at home. Because if a, if a child passed, well, if anyone passes away, but in Finn's case, because the child passed away at home, they have to, um, there has to be an investigation to make sure that no one had actually done anything. Right. Even, though they, even though they knew he was sick and because the doctors had to get involved as well, the doctors were questioned as well. And even though they knew he was a very sick little boy, they still had to do an investigation just to rule out anything. That's, that's the law here in Australia. And you were not allowed to attend his funeral? No. We weren't even allowed to have any say in his funeral. Um, we weren't allowed to even say goodbye to him because, that, like, like I mentioned before, the last time I saw him, he was alive and I said goodbye. But I wasn't allowed to say goodbye to him after he passed away. Not even my children. And my children, they were like a brother to him. My children couldn't even say goodbye. My husband, who was in the house when Finn passed away, couldn't even say goodbye. That's hard to believe. So this is where your cause has come in now, right? Yes. This so, is where I started fighting okay, for Finn's Okay, so let, let's, let's hear your story about that. 
finding out all this information because at first I, I I didn't believe it. I just said you can't do that. Yes, you, you you can't do that to us. That that's insane. And they said, no, I'm sorry, that's the law, and we have to abide by the law. And I said, well, your law sucks. You can't do that to people. And they said, well, I'm sorry, that's the law. So, and I, and I was actually told word for word, thank you very much for looking after Finn. Now get on with your life. <gasps> That's what Nathan and I were told to our By the faces, authorities. By the authorities. And I'm like, are you for real? And they said, yes. So I took all that anger and all my grief over, and, and all my love that I had for Finn and I went into fight mode. And here in Australia what I did was I contacted change.org and I started up a petition and I just told them a little bit about Finn and then I told them what, what Nathan and I were told and what the law was. I think within a month I had 42,000 signatures to change the law <laughs> here in here in Adelaide. And then people in here in Adelaide were actually contacting parliament members saying, you've got to listen to this family. How dare you treat this family like this? And then the news media here in Adelaide got wind of it and then they did a story on it and said, how can you treat this family like this? All they did was love this little boy and all this. And then then it went to the newspaper and then I got a um, a message from one of the parliament members here in Adelaide and they wanted to meet with me because they'd been inundated with people contacting them. And then that meeting just led to more lies, just, um, well, he really? wasn't your child, he was a child of the state. So basically you've got no right to grieve for this child. And how did so, you respond to that? Um, I basically said to them, well, he was my blood relative, he was my nephew, and two, you didn't pay for him, you didn't love him, you weren't up 24 hours a day with him, you weren't listening to him crying his head off all the time, and you're not the one that has to pick up the pieces and explain to your children why this little baby's not going to come home. And they said, I'm sorry. So again, that just made me more angrier, right. and I just went into fight mode. Again, I started up a page on Facebook called Finn's Law, and I started off with two people, which were my family members, it has now got over 300 people and most of them are foster parents throughout Australia, not just Adelaide, all of Australia. I have them um, contacting me, asking me to get the law done all over Australia. Um, I've even raised money um, by doing walks. I walked mm -hmm. for five and a half hours. I got foster carers and I and we walked for five and a half hours from the Adelaide Hills to Parliament House here in Adelaide. <laughs> I had T-shirts made up with Finn's face right on the front of it and on the back it says Equal Rights for Foster Parents and we marched all the way to Parliament House. We raised over $5,000, I think, for the Women's and Children's Hospital here in Adelaide in Finn's name. Um, we got a lot of media to come out and since that I've I've kept on fighting, I've kept on keeping in contact with foster parents and as early as um, December last year the law in South Australia is now Finn's law is now legislation it is now a law in South Australia that when a child in foster care passes away in South Australia that they will be recognized on the death certificate they will be able to have a say in the funeral. They will be able to go to the funeral. They'll be able to say goodbye to that child or children that they love so much. And they'll be able to have their belongings back that belong to that child. 
Can you remember what you felt when you heard that? I was absolutely elated. I was just it was absolutely it, it was a feeling I'd never felt before. And and because along the way I had foster parents that kept saying, "Oh, you're delusional. This is oh. not going to happen." How can a mother of six children change a law? How can you are really insane? How can you take on parliament and change this law? And I once I found out that it was legislation, I felt like saying to those people, up yours. I told you I could do it. And the more <laughs> you kept saying to me I couldn't do it, the harder I fought. And and the walk that I walked, we did it all in Finn's name. We did it all for Finn. And we, we did it all we did it for foster parents here in South Australia. So they've got a fantastic win. I hope for their sake, unfortunately, they never, ever, ever lose a child. But in the unfortunate case, mm-hmm. if they do, I know that they're protected. We did it all in Finn's name. But the heart-wrenching thing is is that Nathan and I won't get our names on Finn's birth right. death certificate. Right. And so the law doesn't change for us and it's not going to bring Finn back. So no amount no. of campaigning and raising money or anything is going to bring Finn back, unfortunately. But if I can make this law a better for other foster parents, that's what I'm going to do. And now that I've done it in South Australia, now I'm trying to campaign to do it all over Australia because I've been asked to as well. That was my next question was, what else are you going to do? It sounds like you you don't want to stop, obviously. Um, I won't stop until it's Australia-wide. And if I can even, if I can find out what the laws are for, foster, for fostering um, around the world and if if the laws are exactly the same or very, very similar, then I would I would even take it global because it is a law that shouldn't be there because it's a heartless law, absolutely heartless, and you cannot treat people like that. Heartless is a perfect word to describe it, the heartless yes. law. Absolutely, I'm, definitely. Myself, I certainly was not aware of this, and probably the majority of people are not. No. So you're bringing awareness, you're making a difference, and I applaud you in every respect. I mean, that is honorable, and it is so encouraging to hear that somebody cares that much that they would do something for children just as you have, and for parents, of course. I Thank mean, you. especially at a time when there is so much grief. Anything else about that that you want to share, Monica? I mean, that's so interesting. Is there any other aspects of it that you want to share or, or any other goals that you have other than what you stated? The other goals that I have is that I eventually want to Parliament, um, not because I want to be a Parliament member because, quite frankly, I think they all lie and <laughs> they don't do – they really they don't do people. But the reason why I want to do it is because I want to be a voice for children Mm. of all ages. I want to be a voice for children and I want to be a voice for the elderly because here in Australia there is just so much child abuse. I mean, I know it's everywhere worldwide, but here in Australia there's so much child abuse and there's just and the amount of abuse there is in in nursing homes, it's disgusting. Mm -hmm. And people don't see what happens behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. But because I've been an aged care worker for 13 years, I've actually seen it. I felt it, I've dealt with it, and I've actually had to experience it. And I even shut down a nursing home because of severe um, bullying. And I won't accept bullying from anybody. I There is no excuse for bullying. I don't care 
what your background is. I actually had someone come up to me not long ago and said, oh, I'm sorry that such and such is such a bully, but they had such a, back, a bad background and that. <laughs> I, I understand that. I understand that people get bad backgrounds, but that doesn't give you the right to go around bully someone else. That's right. You know, so I don't care what your background is. I don't care what religion you are. I don't care what country you come from. You do not have the right to bully, intimidate, or hurt anyone in any way, shape, or form. And if you're going to do that and I find out about it or you do that in front of me, I will come down on you like a ton of bricks. Remind me to get out of your way. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that is wonderful. You go, girl. I mean, this is this is what we need. We need more people like you, somebody that's not going to take it and they're just going to, you know, say it like it is so exactly that is one and you know the the elder abuse is such a common scenario worldwide and it just seems there there are so many people who have gotten on the bandwagon and have tried to make changes all over and so something has to change oh it does it's it's i don't know why people think that they have the right to do that exactly I, I i don't know why they feel that they have the right i mean what right do you have to go around Bullying people, even verbally abusing people. I don't understand. I don't get it. Yeah, but you're cut from a different cloth, Monica. You this know, is true. There, there are a lot of people who really don't care. I mean, the world is full of many different types of individuals, and you certainly have, have seen that. And yes. so, but bringing awareness, and that's what you're doing bringing awareness, because yes. a lot of people, like I said, as myself, who don't know, they need to be made aware because then more and more people are going to get on the bandwagon and make change. And look what one woman did. I mean, my goodness, I hope you celebrated. I did. <laughs> we did. And we each, did. each hurdle that you overcome, you need to celebrate. So you're writing a book. I am. And, and the book is about Finn's Law. The book is about um, many things. It's about from when I started at... at uh, Willoughby Girls High School in New South Wales right up until today basically so it's just got little bits of different journeys that I've gone through the experiences I've gone through um, because it's not normal um, everyday living <laughs> it's like days of our lives <laughs> and there's always there's always different things so it's about a lot of things that that I've experienced with my children and and through life that have been quite hair raising or heartbreaking mm. or joyous or or anything and so that it's your story as well as your cause that you're putting in your book is that what you're saying yes that's right and how far are you away from um, publishing that uh, it should be done in about two months time maybe even less but I'm almost there. Okay, so we'll be sure to have that in the show notes as well as soon as it is released so that we can promote that for you. Because Thank you. Um, yes. definitely heartwarming and and certainly motivating and challenging. Yes. And I'm sure that's the way you have written it. Absolutely. So anything else, Monica? Tell us tell me about the Mother of the Year Award. Um, it is run by Bernardo's Australia, and Bernardo's Australia is for children um, and also foster children and mums, like single mums or um, mums that 
are doing it a bit tough and they help the, they help the mothers get back into work or get into study. They help with the children, um, put them in school, help clothe them and everything. They find housing for them um, and that's Australia-wide. And every year they do Mother of the Year where what that is is they recognise the hard work that the mothers put in, the, the, the dedication and, you know, the sleepless nights and everything that mothers put in. And what you do is um, you have, well, people can nominate you. It can either be your children, it can be your friend, it can be your colleague. Anyone can, can nominate you as long as you're a mother. A foster mother, you don't have to be a biological mother. A foster mother, um, a mother figure, anything like that oh, okay. whatsoever. And then there is a panel of 12 people, I think, and they're all different people from around Australia. Some of them are celebrities. Some of them are just um, mums. And then they go through all the stories of why that mother was nominated and then they pick out the one that they want. And what they do is they pick a a winner from every single state of Australia and territory. And then you go to Sydney and then they pick a winner out the whole of Australia. So that is quite an honor. It is. It is actually. It now, is. I think I read in your bio that were you not receiving that award when you got no notice of, of Finn's passing? Yes. Um, the day that the last day I saw Finn um, was the day I was actually leaving to fly out to Sydney. And that night, um, on the 7th of May, 2014, that night, um, I was at a cocktail dinner and then I received the phone call about Finn. Mm. So he passed away that actual day that I actually left. So many emotions around that whole time of your life. And I certainly can see why you turned some of that emotion into anger and it drove you and motivated you. So that was a good thing. Yes. Look, look what you have done to help other people. And I know you've thought about that, and I'm sure that many people have told you that. So mm-hmm. in your own grief and and in your own time of mourning, you have been able to help others. And that yes, that is wonderful. Thank well, you. Monica, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. We're going to look forward to your book that's going to be coming out, and definitely we'll get... Uh, the links to that and to your blog and and your causes and put that on the web page so that this is not just a Australian situation as you said this is global and both the elder abuse and the situation with foster children um, we need to stay connected and you need to keep uh, me and I can keep our listeners privy to what is going on so please you know give us updates as well I will definitely. So thank you, Monica. I so appreciate what you shared. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.